Growth stories, life lessons, turning points, service to others, truth, no bullshit. Adding value, no smoke and mirrors, being the pressure, third down and 10, win or learn, always the underdog with a chip on your shoulder. These are the things that I think about when I talk to this group. From service academy fleet leaders, NFL players, NASCAR drivers, tech gurus, private equity, small business, big business, to the entrepreneurs making the way of the future, winning at all costs with uncompromised integrity, paying the price of admission. Let's go. <clears throat> Trey Grissom from Garner, North Carolina. Um, another Academy guy, class of 2011 senior football, 10, was a Marine Corps guy, uh, infantry bubba, so straight into the infantry, uh, on to veteran staffing, becomes a financial advisor, now a wealth manager. Um, quick question on that, wealth managing, are there enough people that you can like talk to that have wealth nowadays or is it like everyone broke or what? It's funny. Um, I saw an interesting statistic that 50% of folks making six figure these days are working paycheck to paycheck. Um, and a lot of that's been because of inflation last few years. Um, but yeah, there's, there's still our folks. Some of the so you still have, out there. so you still have customers. So that's good. <laughs> yeah. And it's just, yeah, a little bit of planning too. I mean, everybody's in their own, uh, phase of their, well, building journey, right? So, for sure. All right. Um, you know, went into the Marine Corps. What'd you do in the Marine Corps? What were your jobs within from when the time you started your service to the time you ended? What were yep. those jobs? So, got out, uh, TAD'd with the Sprint program for that, nice. uh, I guess, 20, 2011 season. And <clears> then. Uh, went down to, I was an East Coast guy, tried to go to California, uh, but wound up going down to Lejeune um, after completing TBS and the infantry officers course. Went to 1-9 and uh, was fortunate to get some experience there on the tail end of OEF. And so went into Southern Afghanistan and spent eight months there as a rifle platoon commander. Then came back and 1-9, 8th Marines was disbanding at the end of the war there. So uh, went over to 3-2 and was a weapons platoon commander, led a fist team and was there for uh, a UDP. So went over to Okinawa for six months, AKA Lejeune Ford. Got some good experience there doing bilateral training and then came back and it was time for that B-billet. Wound up at Marine Barracks, Washington doing the ceremonial drill thing. Um, that was where I got to do the company command experience. I mean, that was stateside, so it wasn't fleet um, per se, but it wound up being a great experience. A um, lot of high visibility ceremonies, supporting events in the national capital region to include laying brothers and sisters to rest in Arlington. Yeah. And then from there, decided to transition out, um, had one uh, child at that point and decided to continue on uh, with, with the family dynamic there, move back home to Raleigh. Gotcha. Garner area. Mm -hmm. Awesome. So now you're living in Raleigh. You know, I think of Raleigh, I think uh, I'm a music guy. I like uh, John Wall. Are you a John you Wall go. fan? That's a funny story there. I actually played with him in middle school. Uh, Goodness. Until we split in high school. And I mean, my man was eating something, the water over there on his side of town. 
because he blew up in high school, obviously, and um, watching him play and become the all-star that he is today was was quite phenomenal. Nice. That's cool. Really fun story there. Now your hobbies, water sports. What's your water sport? So a lot of that, I mean, water sports, you know, there's water and beer, but spending time at Lake Gaston. Uh, ah, so you're up, a laker. Yeah, more so on the lake. Well, I enjoy the lake a little bit more than the beach just because you can do more, you know, flat water. So you have so, a boat? Uh, yeah, parents do. Um, nice. Pontoon and a, and a uh, snow, or ski boat. Nice. And so growing up skiing, tubing, um, snow, or God, I keep saying snowboarding, uh, wakeboarding, nice. snowboarding season right now. Cool. And, well, we uh, got a couple more months and things will uh, get back to normal. That's there. right. On that's that right. I can't wait. So can't wait to go fishing. I just booked a, uh, um, Lake Cumberland's not too far from me. It's huge lake, houseboat capital of the world. Uh, booked a spring break trip there. Can't wait to go. Cause last time I went, uh, last year I went fishing there in the same time period, caught so many fish and they were huge. So yep, it's going to be good. Um, let's see from there. And, and I looked at your, so I had to Google you, you know, obviously I, I Google <laughs> right. Hopefully there weren't any, <laughs> no, but, hopefully there weren't and, any dirt out there. So I went to the Navy football website and, uh, fun fact, I was reading over your bio and it said your high school was. 35 and six. Um, that was the record wins versus losses, uh, by your senior season. I was like, man, that sounds really familiar. So I went back to my bio. I was like, Tony Haber high school, 35 and six. I was like, crazy, crazy coincidence, but, um, fun fact. Um, you know, my memory is not the best, but like when that one hit, it was like, Oh, that seems really similar so uh, i wouldn't have even remembered that now uh, this far removed and now i mean there's so many high schools that have been added to our area now the talent's spread so thin there are schools now beating my high school program that you know would have never happened back in the day uh, there's actually two they split my high school over the past couple of years and this this area has just seen immense growth over the past 12 15 years so no doubt no i, I hear you there and uh, fun tie-in. I just talked to Mike Stedman, and I'll release that one here in a few days. But uh, he said, it's okay to look back. Just don't stare. So right. just look back. <laughs> We're not staring at it. We're just looking back a little bit. So That's right. Nice. Nostalgia. Uh, yeah, yeah. Too much is bad. A little bit's okay. Um, That's right. Your high school GPA inside that article was a 4.78. Dude, tell me what that means because – you know, 4.0 to me is like perfection. What's, what's a 4.78? How's that happen? Oh man. Well, I'll say that coming from Garner, you know, it's not like that really translated to the rigor at the Naval Academy, but we had uh, an international baccalaureate program. We were, I was the first to go through it. And so it was kind of on that AP or waiting. I don't know if it was on the five point scale or if A's were like a six in that realm, but the classes were just AP caliber. And, um, so I think that's how it wound up being over four. Nice. Cool. All right. Memory section. Got a couple. Mike Matthews. Y'all worked at eight and I together. Um, yes, sir. with Mason Graham, Bry French. I remember Bry back in the day. He was the, the young buck that, that came up real fast. Lots of power. He said, all you guys, uh, 
or killing it now that you may have kept some traditions alive. What traditions was he talking about? <laughs> Shoot, I, man, you'd have to be a little more specific. What with my, I can't, I can't get more specific <laughs> on that. I will say that there was definitely a strong brotherhood presence uh, at the barracks, and um, so I know, you, I know you did did talk to Mike, and it's kind of like a every year recruits guys that especially in the infantry community combat arms you know guys that are trying to decide and any war you know any wind you catch of that being a possibility it's kind of being able to recruit from in it within working with the monitors working with the staff there because uh, it's, it's a tight-knit group i mean and it's it, it was definitely a good uh good few years yeah much better than i could have expected thinking i was going to just drill pop swords pop sticks for three years yeah was, no when i think away. of eighth and i i think of best of the best tall um you know muscular leaders that represent the the greater you know the greater population i'm thinking like okay that's you know probably maybe football a lot of folks go there from that so that actually does happen so uh, and, unless you're Mike Matthews and, you know, you got that yeah. little dip in your mouth and <laughs> got a weird walk. So, um, Max Blue, here's the other one I got in touch with. Uh, he said in 2010, you were uh, a self-appointed captain of the special teams unit. Does That's that great. That's great. Yeah. He, uh, so actually for the class of 11, uh, I was, voted the winner of the Ron Winchester, the unsung hero award. And so when it kind of comes to, you know, price of admission and how that kind of ties into what you're doing here, it just made me go back to think, you know, you're not always going to be the guy, you're not always going to be the Tony Haber, the Ross Bospisil, the Tyler Simmons, the (laughs) the Caleb King. And so you got to find a way to contribute to the greater good. And you might be, um, backstage a little bit if you will but man i mean just the camaraderie the leadership the impact you can have on the younger guys and the fact that you got to have all three phases in the game that was the way that i felt like i could contribute was leading those groups uh making sure that we were we were sound in the phase of the game that sometimes i think doesn't get all the attention that it should and it can cost games you know for you or against 100%, you. hundred so. percent, dude. Like special teams is like not only – and then back in our day, it was like the probably the most riskiest player of the game. Yeah. <laughs> because oh, yeah. Uh, another note that Max floated out there was there weren't any targeting fouls back then. Oh, dude. I <laughs> remember – It was and so we, much fun. We went from like the tight punt formations. Everybody started moving to that spread punt. Yep. And I remember this dude from – Rutgers from the line of scrimmage basically juked right came back and it felt like I was on a kickoff return from like five yards out the dude hit me like he was running me over on a kickoff return yeah <laughs> juke me out and then I mean it was one of those bell ringing instances yeah no no targeting yeah they, those types of uh fouls the game has changed a lot over the past few years for sure gotcha one more from Max <clears throat> Notre Dame oh boy Kickoff cover speech. Remember that? What was that? I'm glad he remembers it. it. Yeah, I was, I was probably, he said. I was probably, he said, mention it, 
And Trey will remember what this is. So go. So I'd say that uh, my short-term memory loss is definitely <laughs> crept in a lot more than when I was younger. Probably I'm, due to I'm uh, glad, kickoff coverage. Hey, I'm glad that Max, that I had that type of impact on something I had to say, but I guarantee you that I was probably in the red. <laughs> and speaking from the heart, uh, not really capturing what I was saying per se but just making sure that the guys are ready to roll. And I mean, we, I can't believe the success we had against those guys during your stint and class of 11. Yeah. Awesome. Cool. Um, all right, dude, tell us your story. Shoot story. I mean, I appreciate what you're doing with this and the guys that, um, you've already had come on, on the platform, telling their story for me, it's nothing profound, really. You know, all of us came from different walks of life. And I think we were fortunate enough to kind of realize that we were either on a separate path. I, I mean, because going back to, you know, your teenage years, you, you know, you're super impressionable. Everybody's trying to make it. If you feel like you got a shot at the next level um, for the guys that are disciplined enough to not only focus on their athletic um, physical progression, but also the mental, the grades to kind of from the holistic standpoint, you know, you take a bunch of guys that are maybe not even a start on max preps or whatever um, in, into a division one program that runs a triple option that, uh, you know, tries to stop some of the best uh, and premier offenses in the country right with with guys that really have to work extra hard to um, get up to speed even after coming in to a program where the first six weeks of school I mean shoot I lost 30 pounds I don't know about you plebe summer but the uh you know the size and the strength that you lose it's just one of those uh experiences that I was like all right let's let's do this you're gonna have job security on the back end of college young enough to realize that young enough to accept and appreciate that the abilities that I had and that the rest of the guys like you and and the rest of the brotherhood had to come in and play division one football, but also for guys that didn't have, I mean, I didn't have anybody in the military uh, in my immediate family that, you know, had any experience with the Naval Academy or serving, you know, either officer or enlisted. And so it was kind of taking a shot in the dark to make myself better, create a better opportunity for my future family one day to serve my country after assuming that I stuck it out and did what I needed to do in and out of the classroom on and off the football field. And so kind of from, you know, inception of coming up and my parents leading me in a way that I was very fortunate to have the opportunity that all of us uh, were fortunate to have jumped on it and you know, one of the things that, that I sent to you uh, up front was, you know, finishing what you start. And I've always kind of lived by that mantra. Super simple, super cliche. Yep. But coming in and battling through that first year, so many guys leave, so many guys um, kind of fall off with their, where their focus lies. Yeah, I wanted to and, uh, quit. There's one point where I wanted to quit and hang up the towel there too. So, 
When you say uh, your parents were leading you, what does that mean? Yeah, my dad, I'd say, is still, I mean, still a great mentor to this day. And he, just in two generations, we grew up a lot different. Uh, he grew up on a tobacco farm, didn't have running water in his house until he was five years old. And basically from the time that he could press uh, using a about a three-inch block on the gas pedal on the tractor, he was out helping tend the fields, barn tobacco, and grew up in a much more manual labor type of um, upbringing than I did. And so he kind of had to come of age, I'd say even a lot faster than I did. But I think he learned a lot of life's lessons early on and was mature enough to digest those. And when it came to, you know, leading his own, he was able to instill a lot of the values and a lot of the lessons that he learned early on at a young age for me, you know, I mean, shoot, I feel like I'm still young now. We're, you know, mid thirties now, but, you know, go back to those impressionable teenage years when you're coming up and trying to figure out what's right, what's wrong. He, he showed me the way from a lot of the mistakes that he made um, and a lot of the good things, a lot of the good decisions that he uh, made at a young age. So that kind of set gotcha. the stage for me to push to uh, get to a point where we could have that opportunity uh, at the next level, like like we did. Gotcha. You know, to finish what you start, I, I I'm 100% behind that too. It's you know, I got a few kids. They they get into things, and but at the same time, I'm trying to balance that. Like, how can I help them get into what they are good at versus the finish what you start because sometimes they get into something that's like a, a season long and you're like yeah that's not gonna work oh i'm already right? seeing it yeah my dude. and that's one of those things where it's like i don't know about you but base it was baseball for me at three i mean and it stuck and my soon-to-be six-year-old we tried multiple sports right and we're just trying to open that door to where they can find the interest and then there's a passion there and they want to yeah. pursue it be there to support it. I don't care. Hey man, like you don't have to play baseball and football like dad. You don't have to do what mom did. We just got to find something other than, you know, sitting behind a screen or inside the house um, and, and trying to, so that's, that's where we're at too. I get it. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Good. <clears throat> so what happens after that? So you go through the, the whole decision-making process, you go, keep going. Yeah. I, well, I mean, shoot. I was thinking this week about the bond that is created. Not, I mean, I, I would imagine it's probably similar for most collegiate athletes, but to kind of endure what we did from, you know, a scheduling standpoint, I mean, I'm sure it's kind of across the board, but just the caliber of, of young man at that age, I appreciate it. I think even more now than we did then, not only for the bonds that we all created, but yeah, the ability to reconnect everybody's spread to the winds. Now family, some guys are still serving, but uh, just to be able to kind of meld different backgrounds, guys that have come from everywhere into one, one common goal is maybe football and to, to just get through not only the, the, I guess two days back then, I don't know if they even do two days anymore now, but just the, grind that we went through 
just to even try to win a game and then everything else that came with that off the field too uh, is I appreciate and am very fortunate wouldn't change it for the world you know we talked about wanting to maybe throw in the towel but I'm fortunate that that we all stuck it out um, then you know I mean go up graduate wanted got the Marine Corps service selection which was a goal of mine and then from there it was combat um, you know combat arms infantry was my top choice all right so when you went through TBS mm-hmm. and uh you know I got a little yeah, I got a little dagger in my my ribs that I got to keep on like like pulling out or like yeah. you know, twisting or whatever. Um, where were you in the the top, bottom, middle third? Um, oh man, that, that worked is, for you. I was I, no, and I, I was just saved there too. Yeah, so I just talked to Mike Stedman about this too. Um, uh-huh. So I'm ex- excited to get your perspective on the the spread. <laughs> Man, and you know, I don't even, it's funny that you say that because I don't even think they do that anymore as far as the way that infantry falls out. But I was at the bottom of the top third. Me too. And Well, you with, must have made a good impression with your SBC. It was actually the XO. Um, yeah. And I won't name drop, but I, that that's basically what it sounds like happened. It was like a kind of a one-for-one swap thing and had some, I, it wasn't like I was promoting it. It just, it just kind of happened. Nice. I wasn't, I guess it was just a, a godsend thing. You know, it was, it was kind of one of those meant to be. And, um, cause yeah, I don't think it was supposed to work out that way, but I'm glad it did. Cause I mean, I went with a bunch of guys that had it as their top choice. It didn't even have it all. It was like their 18th choice. And we started, I think with 110, 11 and graduated 61. So, gotcha. I mean, there was still a ton of attrition at, at that time. Gotcha. So how was your, uh, IOC experience? The IOC, the, uh, for the group listening infantry yeah. officers course, it's, it's one of those like, um, you know, hero's journey type of things. Like you go into it and, uh, you know, it's going to be tough. So you prepare for it. You go through it. how did that go for you? Man, I'll tell you, I was never a runner. I was never an endurance guy. Never really did anything other than know how to prepare physically for football. So it was eye-opening from a standpoint of having to do more of the, shoot, mobility stuff, functional fitness stuff, learning to do things, carry weight, move move the body in a different way. And then from a mental standpoint, it was just like, hey, man, when you talk about during and not not never quitting that was it i mean i've always known that you know your your mind tends to quit before the body will and a lot of guys bodies do quit uh the first piece of that's like 15 to 20 hour call it combat endurance test i mean it's just physical mental health if you will (laughs) and so you're kind of preparing for the unknown and luckily i had a couple months in between finishing basic school and and that uh the start there and luckily it was kind of in the fall so it was a little bit cooler wasn't in the middle of summer oh, and man. there were yeah a middle few of guys. summer would have been really bad I yeah remember, a lot uh, of guys you're you were a sweater if i can remember you were a sweater still am sweating right now <laughs> <laughs> so sweaters Always in the sweating. middle of summer you know when you, you drop all that water it releases 
Uh, and then the full body cramps come probably about four afters after the, you know, the bottom of the, like, I should probably drink some water, but I can't. And then four hours later, uh, uh, IV comes after that. So, yeah, it was definitely that type of, uh, experience. But I remember the guys that went, had gone through that summer before me, a lot of guys wound up in the hospital with rhabdo and went back through it with, uh, with my cycle and made it through that next time. But you just, it's one of those where you're not quite sure how your body's going to respond. Um, you can, and I'm not saying it's like seal training or anything else, but I mean, the guys that have gone through it, it's, it's no joke. And then it continues from there for 12 weeks or whatever it was, you know, a lot of these things are starting to escape me now. It's like, man, um, what was your, uh, IOC graduation quote? Can you remember that? Wow, you're stumping me today, bud. <laughs> All right. Gotcha. I got to ask. I just came off the, the cast with uh, Stedman. And he, God, he remembers his? Yeah. No, he, he recited it. I, I threw it out there, and he was like, yeah. I, I gave him the first line, and then after that, he was like, here's the next five lines out of that. So wow, that's, that's how impressive. important it was to him. Yeah. He's got that steel trap. <laughs> I can't hardly remember what I ate for breakfast this morning. Not this point, and the you know nice. kids will do so, that to you, I guess. It was all those uh, kickoff coverages, <laughs> I guess. All right, so oh, you leave man. IOC, and then you go to your first unit. What was that? Yep, got out uh, January 13. Went down to one nine, and we're actually it was a few weeks before the battalion was heading to Bridgeport. Um, so for the folks out there that know or don't know Bridgeport, I mean, they have a summer it's out in California, Barstow summer, uh, courses, not only for like individual leadership courses, they also have winter it's out in the mountains. So winter mountain training, carrying packs, skiing, trying to ski, snowshoeing, trying to shoot, move and communicate. Um, that was, uh, like three or four weeks after I checked into the fleet. So, you know, not only are you trying to figure out who's who in the zoo, establish a relationship with your leadership, not only in the platoon, but uh, in the company, and it was, it was a little overwhelming, right? You know, you want to make a good impression. I think I checked in on base and our uh, master, one of the master guns in the battalion was doing some something at the headquarters building where I was, and he had overheard that I was going to 1-9, and I think I had my ribbon slip because <laughs> we had... We had the ribbon from the year that we were at the academy. So we had two, you know, it wasn't just the national defense. I think we had that muck and I had them backwards. So that was kind of my first nice. experience of uh, visibility at the top, which is great. Uh, even though I checked myself over a million times, but getting in and um, that, I mean, that's the hard part, you know, trying to make an impact where you're not trying to do too much. You know, you want to fill out, fill out who you have, who, who the key players are and, um, get in there and, and start off on the right foot. And then we went out and did five week, four or five weeks or so uh, of, of winter mountain training. That was big yep. wake up call for everybody in the battalion. A lot of casualties. Uh, it, it was one of those. When you say shoot. casualties, what do you mean by that? Like, okay. Like just yep. got cold and they're like, Hey, I'm too cold. Like put me on a heater. Yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. A lot of uh, frostbite, hypothermia, guys not wearing things properly or just kind of wanting to, to throw in the towel. And so 
it was definitely one of those grueling mental challenges to just do the simple things. I mean, even eating, right? <laughs> so this is like huge wake up call. Everybody, a lot of new guys because we were working up for deployment in that, that fall, fall of 13, uh, to head over to Afghanistan. And so there was a lot of new guys all coming at the same time that had just come in right before this. So it was one of those experiences that kind of forged us together, together, right? Shared adversity, a lot of camaraderie. A lot of guys got close, not only because they <laughs> had to, <laughs> to stay warm, but uh, because of the uh, the experience there. And it was nothing like the training that anybody had experienced up to that point. And, so um, from a, a guys that, that just threw in the towel versus the folks that actually had a problem, what does that look like? Oh, man, it was, I'd say about probably 50-50. And some of the guys I didn't, yeah, I didn't know well enough to yeah, know so, if they were were bluffing or not. Uh, yeah, a lot of guys. Brand new unit. A lot of guys were. I know yeah. it's a random question, but I had to ask. No, it's, that's a good good question. And yeah, I mean, had we been together longer, I, I might have known, but it just, I don't think, it was so much different than any training that any of the guys had done. And like I said, I mean, it was a brand new group pretty much across the board. There had been a few guys that had done the previous Afghan deployment from 1-9 that were still in the company. It was a Bravo company. And most of them were weapons guys, uh, guys in weapons tune for everybody out there. I mean, mortarmen, machine gunners, not traditional riflemen, provisional riflemen, guys that are just carrying the, uh, the M16s and M4s. So it was definitely eye-opening. Gotcha. All right, keep going. After that. Yeah, we get back. Uh, I mean, there was there was a uh, an incident uh, at Hawthorne from the battalion, a different company. Uh, kind of won't go into that, um, but it was uh, a mortar incident. Guys were firing from the handheld at night, doing a range that we kind of constructed the surface danger zones on an old army depot out in, I think it was over the border. It might've been in Arizona, um, but we lost a few guys uh, in a training exercise out there from a different company. And that was pretty hard on the battalion. We had a, a change in leadership after that. And we're, I think we, you know, we get back in March timeframe, April, May, June, July, August, September, we're deployed in six months and we have pretty much brand new leadership at the, at the top of the battalion. And so we get back and a lot of guys, I mean, it's coming of age. A lot of guys, you know, had come through, finished their training, finished that. But there was a lot of growth, I think, mentally, physically, spiritually, that had to take place for us to stay on track to head out to ITX integrated training exercise back to California uh, a couple months later to check all the boxes there. And so we do that, got go back out to California. I think we made it out there out of there unscathed. And so that's you know your six weeks there, your workup standard. We come back and a few weeks off. So, I mean, I, I was gone pretty much that whole year. I got married May uh, of 13. And then my wife and I, we didn't live together until actually our, the day of our one year anniversary when we got back from Afghanistan. So there was just a lot of, a lot of being gone, a lot of training that, that went in that year and then headed over 
to, to Afghanistan. And we were fortunate. We kind of got tasked by division as a company to run uh, Hilo raids. And so it was kind of a little obscure at that point for a provisional rifle company uh, to get that type of tasking. So learned a lot there, had some successful operations. When you say Hilo raids, I don't want you to transition yet. So okay, I want to hear more about those Hilo raids that you weren't ready for, that you had to learn about and figure that out. So yeah, it's the, funny. We did a lot of, go? man, it, we did a lot of uh, inside the wire rehearsals. Uh, just, I mean, from getting on and off of a helicopter or a bird, if you will, for uh, folks I'm trying to use um, some lingo that's not too out there, but we put it together quickly. I mean, you know, it's just adapt and overcome, right? You're like, all right, what's hey, all of a sudden, Hey, have? dude, you're in charge. I need you to do this, do it what? now. Yeah. And then you've got a really limited timeline. Figure and, it out. Uh, and exactly. Luckily. Yeah. I mean, it's like putting a manifest, making sure you got accountability is do we put, we can't put everybody you know, every single leader on the same bird. So you have to, you know, spread the love out in case somebody goes down. Um, and then planning from higher, I mean, the intelligence, digesting all that, putting together uh, a no plan that the young guys uh, could understand was, it was just kind of, you know, around the clock ops to be able to pull those off. And a lot of those areas that we had gone into, Marines hadn't been in, in quite some time. Uh, there were just uh, certain things that needed to be addressed that we were able to uh, help out with the higher mission. And so it was usually about 100 packs, 100, 100, 100 Marines, including attachments and support. And, I mean, it was just very valuable experience. A couple of them we had to – we were our own internal QRF, so whoever was not on rotation going out would be support up if uh, you know anybody else needed it. That happened a couple of times. So we executed a lot of things that we didn't think as guys coming into the tail end of, of um, enduring freedom would have gotten the experience in. And, you know, it came at a cost. Uh, we did lose a, a few Marines across the battalion on that deployment. But the, uh, you know, overall experience of what you had to prep for with limited information, limited resources uh, on a limited timeline was super invaluable uh, for a lot of those guys um you know not only as marines but i think later in life um you know as men what do you think that taught you hey it's I mean, it's kind of the marine mantra you know i mean we do less with or more with less right it's just you can always get creative enough if you want whatever it is bad enough to achieve a favorable outcome in most circumstances right yeah. and so that's kind of the outlook on life um call it you know the glass half full I mean, even when bad things happen trying to find the positives with the negatives i think um is is what's kind of kept me grounded and with that growth mindset you know in life that it's okay adversity is going to happen it's like happiness. There's not a perpetual state of happiness. You have to feel other emotions. Otherwise, happiness doesn't really exist, right? Same yeah. thing. You got to have some some bad for, for growth. Yeah. You feel good when you have no, the good I, things happen. I wish I could recite the exact 
things that Tom Schumann said in a podcast I was listening uh, to him on. But man, he's a, there, such a wordsmith, man. He is. Yeah, he's just brilliant. No. Anything uh, he puts masters, down, either digitally or on paper, I mean, it's just, it's gold. It's gold. Masters in uh, English. Um, maybe I'll get there one day. I, I would love to do that. I know, right? Hey, I was, hey, were you Trucker's English? <laughs> I was Trucker's English. Yeah. No. <laughs> I was Trucker's English at the Academy. I barely that, got that through first it, semester. So, exactly. Um, yeah, that was um, transitioning over to 3 2. You know, it was, Definitely a non-standard first tour, if you will, for most infantry guys. I mean, really, anybody that hits the fleet, their first job is going to be with that same unit for that first three years, right? But it was only about an 18-month span. The unit was disbanding when we got back from Afghanistan. And so they basically took half the guys. It was when they were standing up that experimental battalion at Lejeune. Remember that time frame? Um, it was like, well, like 2014 when they were blending in, um, males and females into a combat arms unit. How'd that go? And I don't think it went very well, uh, <laughs> based on the feedback that I got from guys that were at one nine that went there. I mean, they've come a long way. Don't get me wrong. You know, you got to start somewhere. Um, I just think that there was... <laughs> I don't know. There are a lot of distractions, if you will. It, it seems like, hey, buddy, um, can we? Can I, I can I can hear you here? You can have to. What? You gotta. No way. Sit over there, please. He's asking me if he can watch YouTube because <laughs> mom's yeah. not around. No, I hear you. So, but uh, yeah. So some guys. I mean, a lot of guys from when I went there. The rest of the guys were. Um, put into units across the regiment that needed bodies. Um, and 3-2 had a UDP. It was either a Mew or a UDP coming up. Um, didn't really have any say where I went, but I was fortunate to work for our class commandant, uh, the you know officer that were in my class at IOC. He had India Company 3-2. And so... I was able to go work for him and great experience seeing both sides, seeing him at kind of as an instructor uh, and then also as a leader in the fleet and was a, was a weapons platoon would have wanted to have gone on to weapons company. Um, but was there, had an opportunity to run a fire support team, learned a ton there coordinating all the things we have in the arsenal from a, uh, you know, air to ground, ground to air, everything that the battalion uh, can bring to bear, learning how to deconflict those, learning how to put all that out on a map and plot it, learned a lot about fires uh, over those, I guess, 12 or so months that, that I was there. And nothing obscure on the UDP, uh, very standard, just did training opportunities, not a combat deployment, uh, and then came back and went up to DC to the barracks with Mike and shoot a ton of, a ton of guys up there. I mean, Eric Montgomery was there. Um, Pat McConnell, these guys, a bunch of these, you know, you guys hadn't played football. And then, yeah. Um, Pat McConnell was working on Mason for a while. Uh, cause I think they were in the same company at school, Mason Graham there. And then, uh, we got Bri French 
as well to come. So just tried to do what we could because you had to. Guys that don't know about the barracks, you don't. It's not something that seems appetizing. Yeah. Um, so, what was and, your favorite part about being a part of that group? It was. I mean, it was a lot of pomp and circumstance, right? Uh, being in blues, you know, having to run ceremonies. A lot of a lot went into that. Um, a lot different than going out and doing field ops right in the fleet. But um, I'd say the best thing was the camaraderie of the mess uh, of the officers mess. And then still the ability I had more rounds. We went to Quantico every other week. I mean, I shot more ammo with my Marines, uh, both when I had a uh, guard or security company that stood post at the barracks. And then the guys that we had in alpha company down at Quantico than I did in the fleet at Camp Lejeune over the course of the time there. Seriously? You uh, shot more guns? Yeah. Uh, Ethan I'm, and I? I'm, I'm serious. Not, not, not a lot of the big stuff, but five, five, six, seven, six, two, uh, you know, shotguns and, and, and some um, non-lethals for the, the security detachment. Yeah. Definitely, definitely by, I mean, it, it was hands down. I was amazed at what we were allotted. Uh, and then, had access nice. to any range so was, to at Quantico. So it was about it was the allotment. It wasn't about the nest, the need. It was about the allotment. I would say a little bit of both. I mean, we still had guys to train because they were ultimately going to the fleet for their next stop, and nice. we were able to to get a lot done. Uh, ran some ran some good courses for for the guys there, and you know those are things that you would not expect to be able to do going up there uh, when you think you're just going to be drilling the whole time. So. Gotcha. Uh, but but it was it was uh, it was a world class experience and you know the people make it phenomenal leaders there across the board too both um, on the officer and enlisted side. Awesome. So you do the eighth and ninth thing. What comes after that? You decide to get out. Why did you Why did you get out? That's right. Uh, I saw. I, I think at that point I was selected for major and wanted to do resident um, maneuver captain's career course, the Army's version of EWS, Expeditionary Warfare School. Because, um, I mean, in my mind, I'm like, all right, I don't need to be an O planner. I don't need to know how to become an operations officer on a MU. I want to learn how to coordinate everything that I have as a company commander, because that's going to be my next job in the fleet, right? And I think the Army does that uh, a little better, at least for that point in your career. And so I was planning on doing that and then ultimately just decided with my wife, hey, you know, we want to start a family. Um, I had accomplished my goals. Um, I mean, I had led Marines in combat at that point. I had been a company commander for all intents and purposes, you know, leading that group of 150 the barracks. And so it was an opportunity for me to now sacrifice for my family. Um, not that it was a sacrifice, but to turn the page, to be able to let my wife do what she needed to do to raise a family. And then, you know, if world war three pops off, you still got a foot in the door type of, gotcha. type of thing. So yeah, so came back is, home, Raleigh's home. Yeah. What does your wife need to do? Like what are her goals that you have to, you know, so she, support? I mean, yeah, she luckily, we were in a situation, I mean, obviously blessed for her to be able to work remote the whole time that um, that I was in for those eight years. 
And so she was able to timing wise find opportunities where she could work remote um, and stay in her uh, career field and on her path while I was doing what I was doing. And so she didn't have, you know, the broken time or have to hop in and do something, um, you know, for a few months or a few years here or there. She was able to have that continuity in her career. And then, you know, in the last few years, she's had a couple of promotions and, um, you know, is now with a new company and um, I think is fulfilled with her work-life balance with having a couple young kids and being able to uh, to work remote. And there's still some days that, you know, it's like, it's sweet because I have a couple days of flexibility here and there. And so covering down on the kids and with school and everything else, it's, we're able to, able to do that. Gotcha. Sorry, I got sidetracked. <laughs> we're, we're, we're both uh, are. That, yeah. That, that was my, good. that was my there you uh, go. spouse. So uh, ask me questions. We're trying to fix our uh, washer. And uh, I did the first half of the removal hey. process. Sorry, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'm good. just trying to look for one part. Um, it's the um, that white part, that plate. Uh, look at the base of the bar area. It's on the floor. Okay, thank you. Sorry. It's all good. <laughs> so I did the first half the removal. Uh, we're trying to replace a pump inside this LG washer. Is it one of those where it's? The new stuff that's so complicated. Like, oh gosh. Even their technicians can't fix yeah, it. I'm, I'm like, like, why do they do that? As, as soon as I like think of like replacing a pump, all right, let's pull off the back panel of this thing and then replace it. No, you have to pull off the front top and then the front cover that has all the dials on it. Oh. You release it enough, you flip it on top of the whole machine just so the wires don't, you know come disconnected yeah now you remove the entire front cover plate and so that's what we're working through right now so man yeah exactly anything that we buy now i'm like what's you know i know you're paying more for it what's the furthest warranty i can get yeah because made in china but uh, and they don't and they don't have the technicians that can fix it True. That's why they make YouTube videos, which has become TikToks, which is owned by China. So exactly. All right. Uh, let's keep going. Identity thief. So you, uh, what was your next job after one uh, nine Bridgeport? Um, what's the next? Step? Yeah, did yeah the three two, but came back DC and then transitioned out for. Family, I was able to actually land a job, I think three months before I got out. So really it was the, the selling our house that wound up being the most stressful part of the transition. Uh, you know, everybody has their own, oh, whoa, like, is this thing going to work out? Is timing going to be fine? Am I going to leave with a job? Am I going to have to keep searching? There's so many variables that are in flux. And, you know, until you've done it, you can rely on everybody that's come before you. But, you know, until you're living it yourself, you, you learn a lot. You know, you live and you learn. And I was, I felt like I was fortunate enough to land a job with a veteran staffing firm. Uh, I knew I was transitioning out, but I wanted to keep that sense of purpose alive. Right. And felt like if I went to work with veterans, helping place veterans and promote the skill set across any MOS officer enlisted in any industry, any sector, 
that that would be a great point to start on the other side in sales. And so did that, started springtime of 2019. I only took a couple weeks off to, to get moved back to Raleigh and get set up and then immediately dove into that. And man, it's almost like, you know, finding the niche like now in financial services, you know, finding a niche where, you know, you can get really good at some specific target area or, you know, company's benefit plan or um, folks with certain situations where things kind of are aligned and you can really dive in uh, to the nitty gritty. That that helps. But we I mean, it was the full suite across any sector. So it took a long time. I mean, it was wide goalposts. You know, you're trying to sell into any industry with any type of background in the service, whether they were transitioning out or post-service looking for a new opportunity. So I learned a lot in a short amount of time there. Um, Did, about Hold on one second. What did yeah. you learn a lot about? What were you selling? Like, what were you making money on? Yeah, placements. So finding placements. opportunities, finding wreck. Yeah, putting people and so recruiting wrecks. Recruiting, yeah. But I was on the sales side, so I was finding the opportunities and whether they existed or not, promoting hiring veterans. Yeah, so I've I've, I've had a lot of fun with this because I've hired a few and I used uh, Bradley Morris. I've used some other, you you know, companies that are hiring veterans. What is the biggest thing that you took away from that? That was like it, the the fit just didn't work this time, and the reason was this. What was the this for you? The fit for me personally, or no, no, when, didn't work out when, the military side. when you were hiring people into those those jobs that you were. Oh yeah, yeah, right. So like you're a you're hiring folks in from the 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 military into their new job and it didn't work out. Oh yeah. And there was a, a prime example. You know, it's just folks, um, it's almost like, there? well, it's crazy because the product you're selling is a living thinking human being, right? So the sales cycle can get interrupted because it's not like you're selling pencils yeah, or a computer. The, the computer can't opt out. Yeah. It's, it's so a human, you're, human industry. Right. Yeah. So yeah. what was the human problem? What was the human obstacle that you had to figure out? Man, I tell you, ghosting, guy? other opportunities, somebody gets in and they're like, Oh, uh, I actually wanted to go back on active duty. Uh, that happened. And so it was just that delicate balance of keeping clients happy. Right. And, and promoting and then making sure you fully vet candidates so that you can truly understand uh, their wants and needs and desires, their opportunities, because uh, the job market was at that point still hot. I mean, you could say it was a, a candidate's market. Unemployment was still low uh, yeah. before things shut down 2020 because of COVID. And so gotcha. it really was just an interesting dynamic of let's, trying to meet the two in the middle. Let's dig into the next level, the next level of military hiring into the civilian workforce not just the like wave top type of problems, but like what was the feedback from those candidates 
when they got into their job and they said, I don't like this because of X, Y, and Z. What was the X, Y, and Z? Can you remember any of those? The X, Y, and Z would be some smoke and mirrors, right? This opportunity is great because X, Y, and Z. And sometimes if the hiring process wasn't completely transparent, and that was a lot of times a failure on our part, uh, if it didn't work out and it wasn't an environment where folks that were moving into those opportunities felt like they could thrive, uh, you know, you take a lot of that stuff personal. If, and a lot of times it's, you know, like you leave, you don't leave a company because of X, Y, or Z. Most of the time, you know, you leave your manager, you leave like a toxic environment for the most part. <laughs> and so you you kind of see that where things weren't necessarily what they were promoted to be, or you're working with folks in this business unit or these hiring managers over here and somebody comes in and they aren't with who they interviewed with. They're with somebody else on the team. And so trying to mitigate those instances, a lot of times it, it's hard, you know, unless you've had a really long relationship and really understand the way that the process works for the companies that yeah. have the, the openings that have agreed to, to work with you. And, um, and so it was kind of one of those things where it's fluid, ever changing and you got to keep your finger on the pulse because each experience is different for each person. It's not like this guy's getting a computer, that guy's getting a computer, that guy's getting a computer. <laughs> Everybody's no. got different personalities, different needs, different family dynamics. And it's a lot. And, and I learned a lot in a short amount of time. Awesome. The reason why I ask is that that's a really hot topic nowadays. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I use a lot of military hiring folks and, you know, there's, there's a lot of feedback on, on the reason why things don't work and, and they do or not. And uh, I'm on board with what you just said, uh, in a hundred percent of ways, I just had to ask. So, yeah. Um, it's a tough one for sure. No, it's, it's a tough one, but it shouldn't be so tough. You're right. I mean, it takes like from a psychological standpoint too. And I mean, times change, you know, there, the, the world has changed the hiring landscape. COVID has changed a lot. Um, I mean, so just from a psychological standpoint, I think it's just different than the job market was a few years ago when you're hiring now in 2023 and coming after the great resignation where a quarter of the workforce turned over, um, in 2021 and 2022. Yeah. And the majority of that turnover of the COVID is yeah. uh, regretting their decisions. Oh yeah. yeah. Um, but at the same time, the whole great resignation was like a really good pulse check on employers too. So. Yeah. hundred percent. Cool. You do some time recruiting. Uh, you do the military recruiting. And you've discovered this whole psychology thing. Um, as you're recruiting, you're learning about what works, what doesn't work, and you get into the books. What kind of books do you get? I'd say, I mean, the two that stand out to me the most are Grit by Angela Duckworth, which that was thrown around while I was at the barracks. Um, I, I think I actually read that there, and that was more so for the Marines there. Uh, and then the emotional intelligence books 
and I can't even think of the author there because I haven't dabbled here. It's been shoot. It's been a couple of years. I've had to spend time. Last couple of years have been dedicated to securities licensing and um, certified financial planning education, which there is a little bit of psychology there too, actually. <laughs> so it all kind of lends itself together at the end of the day. But really, just I mean, how people make decisions, how how people are motivated, um, and everybody's everybody's just different, you know. I mean, it's tough. It, it's like a unique unique challenge because what really triggers people, what people are really after, what they value, it's all different. Yeah. And a lot of a lot of that's based on how they were brought up. Everybody views the world differently. Um, Things have gotten more polarized, you could say, since, you know, last election cycle, really, with the way the media portrays things, too. And uh, and, and that's so why you, podcasts yeah. have become so popular is because folks don't trust the media and they're looking for an outlet yeah. to kind of understand things. So, I mean, and that's why I appreciate private journalism, too. Folks that use platforms, even though they can be cast out or shadow banned or whatever other terms are, are out there these days uh, to have their voice silenced. But I think it's important that, that it exists. So that's where the technology, the advancements that we've seen. And uh, now even with all this AI stuff, I mean, the chat GPT thing, everything else, um, it's getting crazy, but yeah. it's, I call it, I call it a blessing and a curse because without it, I couldn't stay in contact with all the Marines that I, served with, uh, classmates, guys that we played ball with, you know, you can keep track of how folks are doing, uh, their families with photos and things like that. I mean, some share, some don't, but, um, it can be good when, uh, when used for good, but it, it, it obviously there's a flip side to that too. So for sure. You, uh, mentioned something you wanted to share was a uh, discipline over motivation. what do you mean by that? Have discipline over motivation. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, motivation dries up, right? I can't, I'm not going to wake up every day. I mean, I could and turn on these podcasts or turn on whoever your favorite motivational speaker is or that one song that dries up, right? I think that's, that's a little unrealistic to, to feel like, I mean, the discipline that's kind of built over time. It's, it's habit forming. And like, I still try to stay physically fit. I still try to wake up in the morning and, and go work out. It's a discipline thing. It's not motivation. You know, I'm not the, um, David Coggins, type of dude that's just there extreme. all the time. Extreme. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like I'm not an ultra marathon guy. I'm not going to go climb a mountain that 12 or 15,000 feet just, you know, every day of the week or run a marathon every day of the week, like some folks out there do. But for me, it's just progressing throughout life, you know, Get a little bit better each day. You know, <laughs> it's it's a game of inches, right? <laughs> the Al Pacino inches speech. 
<laughs> any given Sunday. It's kind of how I look at it where, you know, if you just stay disciplined in the right way and discipline from a habit standpoint, things build, right? And they compound. And over time, good things happen. Yeah. Choose your heart, right? Like Choose your heart, yeah. That, that one's floating around pretty hard right now on social media. Is choose your heart. What's hard for you? Um, is it hard to get out of bed? Is it hard to do your job? Is it hard to uh, do a workout? Because sometimes a workout makes it easier to do your job. Yeah. I'd say, right. I mean, for so, me, it's, I, I had to transition to doing that in the morning because of kids. Right. Yes. And body's made to move, getting up and knocking something out in the morning. I, I say the hardest part of the day is already out of the way. And so it's just kind of keeping that mindset, you know? So are you a guy that jumps into the, the polar plunge in the morning? I don't see the cold shower thing. It's funny. The last time I took a cold shower, I got shingles the next day. Uh, so I haven't taken a cold shower since I'm 30, 32. It freaked me out. It was right nice. here. Boom. Um, and so I haven't done a cold shower in a while. I mean, I would do, but I mean, I'm not an extreme guy. Gotcha. Like go sweat a little bit and, you know, be able to throw your kids on your back and run around gotcha. without <laughs> falling over. Well, I had that's, a cold kinda, sh- that's kind of where I'm at. I had a cold shower today and it worked. So there you go. That's your immune system ask. loves you. Your well, immune system loves you. I'm also older than you. So give you a few more years and tell me again. That's right. right. Uh, what makes you successful in your day to day? Man, it's, it's just the grind. I mean, appreciating, I guess it comes from a, a, a sense of gratitude, right? We're all blessed to have what we have. And from, you know, the root of it all, it's just trying to go out better than where you, you know, where you started, right? Like leaving the world better than you found it, being able to have an impact on, you know, in in the family unit, on your children. It's just being fortunate and respecting and appreciating the opportunities that we have because they're infinite and putting one foot in front of the other, going back discipline over motivation. Another one that I really like comfort destroys progress being, you know, getting comfortable, being uncomfortable uh, because complacency, you know, the idle hands are the devil's workshop, you know, like if, 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 if you're not moving forward, if you're not trying to advance, then, you know, being stagnant and, and complacent and feeling like, you know, you've arrived, like never, the never settling mentality, all those things are just constantly running through my mind. And, you know, we're all competitive guys. We, alphas. Uh, yeah, alphas, you know, you just, you just can't, you, you can't settle. And it's, it's just one of those where you're, you're, you're on biggest critic. Yeah. And you just constantly have that voice in the in, in your mind saying yep. uh, another guy, Nick Barr, a bear, the guy that runs a supplement company, he was an army officer, go one more. It's just those incremental gains 
and, and just trying to, and it's not nothing profound. Like you're, it's not like you got to do win it all today. It takes time. Yeah. <laughs> whatever, whatever it is, whatever journey. I mean, like it, it's nothing. The, the, the equation is, is, is simple. It's just I, I hear you. Continue to um, and maybe at that point relying on if it's something that you're okay, the needle's stuck in route in your route on your trajectory. Yeah. Finding people that have been successful and something equal to what you're doing or you know, similar path, uh, or just a leader and being able to kind of branch out and see different viewpoints. Because you know, it's, I, I, it, nobody does what they do on their own. You know, you've got a, sure. a team, maybe, maybe some do, but most folks, you know, eventually have a family, a partner, something that, mo- you know, that motivates them to continue on to doing what they're doing other than, you know, success itself, um, a legacy. I don't know. Uh, I mean, I'm kind of at the point now where, I, I mean, I do it for my family because I want to give them a better life than I had. I was fortunate growing up and I realized that and appreciate that. And I know that, that there's more experiences, not materialistic things. That's why, that's why I'd love to continue to put money in the bank so that I can give my children better experiences, right? Let them see the world, appreciate culture and, and the diversity that's out there. I mean, there's just, there's so much to do and see and getting out of, I mean, great backyard. We got a little playground out there for him, but that's kind of the, one of the things that outside of, uh, you know, my own personal goals, you know, nobody wants to not be the best or feel like they've given it their all for a, for a career to do it for the bigger, bigger unit, the family unit. Gotcha. Doing financial planning, retirement planning, and the market yeah. that we've had the last couple of years. Let's go into that right now. How's it going? Mm-hmm. It's people need help and more so in these times than when things are good. And from a coaching standpoint, and even from a psychological standpoint, right? Uh, you know, call COVID a black swan event. Like normally you'd see a correction in the market like we saw in 2020 once every six years or so. Well, we saw that one and then we've seen another one because of inflation and what the Federal Reserve Board's doing. And a lot of people have been on edge pretty much since I got in. And it's funny, I'll kind of be quick about it, but got into staffing, right? That was my first job out of the Marine Corps on the sales team. And then the economy shuts down 18 months in. No one's hiring. No one's paying a company to help put employees on their payroll at that point. And then fast forward to late 2020, I'm jumping into financial advising in the middle of a pandemic that no one's ever lived through. And so wild times, basically my first two experiences out of the military, it's been (laughs) in pretty significantly bad times for what I'm doing. But to go back to, I mean, the price of the mission, right? That growth mindset, I've learned so much. I learned a lot there. I've learned a lot about the economy uh, and or more 
so than, than I did before doing this and about people and their money and their finances and managing this situation. I mean, it forces you to grow and learn a lot more so than if the market's just going up and everything's fine. So it, it's been very valuable as far as the transitions have been concerned with what's going on in those industries when I joined them. So hopping in here, it's been, it, it, it's been tough, but I mean, fulfilling to be able to help folks that, that I've fallen in on that were, you know, already with our firm and learning how to help folks from a financial standpoint, similar, right? Selfless service, helping people feel financially secure. Yeah. So that they're making the right decisions. So and, I don't know anything about what you do. Mm-hmm. I'm going to come to Trey. I'm gonna be like, Hey, you're a wealth manager. What do I need to know today? Depends on, right? Situation dependent. I heard that one before. Hey, I don't have a whole lot. I just want to there you like, go. not have nothing in five, ten years. What do I need well, to do? There you go. Uh, well, we look at your whole background, right? Look at what you know about your finances, investing, what your goals are, right? Hey, I, I don't want to be broke. I got uh, I got three kids. They're going to all be out of high school in about, I guess, uh, eight years. Boom. And How are we looking on that? How are we looking on that budget? How are we looking on college educational uh, planning? They're they're going to have yeah. to earn it themselves because yeah, that's right. Not my, that's my, like, that's not my job. That's their job. Just like we did. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> you see, you've got parents out there that want to be able to, to, to save and invest and, and do for their kids that way. You got some that are like, Hey, I did it. They can do it. They'll figure it out. I might provide a little bit of support. Um, and then the rest really, you know, you can, there's a lot of good, good software out there. Plug in some data, 10 minute conversation. Hey, this is what things look like five, 10, 15, 20 years down the road. And whether it's a retirement goal or a near term goal, Hey, I don't know if I'm spending more than I'm making. It can be very simple or very complex, but just short, I mean, quick conversations um, can really have uh, a lot of meaningful impact in, in somebody's life from that regard too. And that's one of the things that drew me to it. This opportunity found me um, another one of those blessings, like I'll say. Uh, How was that? Family, Did family connections. Someone reached out to you and said, hey, Trey, I want you on my team. Who was that? So, so my current boss, uh, he's a regional director in our firm. He merged in with a larger group that we're now uh, affiliated with. He has managed and had a relationship with my dad. Uh, with my family for many years, over 20 years. And when things were kind of changing a few years ago, there was some shifting, some some folks decided to move on, some folks uh, were let go. And it was one of those things where, like his father was a West Point grad. And 
just a conversation. Hey, how's Trey doing? This was after the things had gone south with the pandemic. I had made it through a few cuts uh, with my staffing firm then. That's kind of how the opportunity presented itself. So it was like both both parties taking a shot in the dark. My only experience was having an econ degree from the academy, right? And I hated it then. You know, like why does the econ the economy doesn't matter to an 18 year old who's in school, not going to have a lot of student debt, thank goodness, right, from the path that we were on. And so things just didn't click back then. But I love it now. Uh, and, and so being able to help people from that standpoint, too, is, is is great. Awesome. All right. Got to let's liven this thing up with a good, uh, good Coach Jones story. I know you were an outside backer there with Coach Jones oh for a gosh. while. Give me yeah, a Yeah, before good I came coach. inside with you. <laughs> I mean, my favorite one that everyone seems to remember was when he was running the kickoff team. And I don't know what Tyler Simmons was doing, but he called him Sims. Never called him Simmons. Yeah, I tried and, to call him. He, I don't think I got, I don't think I, I have his number. So I'll, I'll, I'll have to get that to you, but him calling Sims and not Simmons is one that, you know, if you remember coach Jones and his stature and the way that he yelled, that was one that, and we got a group check between some 11 and a few 12 guys. And nice. that one will resurface every now and then just Sims. Nice. Him calling Tyler when he wasn't in the huddle to run on the run on the field. That's good. Cool. Who's your best mentor? Favorite mentor? One or two? What do you think? I mean, I I go back. I know I mentioned it earlier as far as my upbringing, but my dad. Awesome. Yeah, he's he's definitely a good guiding light. A lot of wisdom. You know, he's getting there. He retired 21 into 21. And he's kind of in his reflective state of life now. And just still to this day, raising young kids, outlook. I mean, where I'm at in life, just a lot of good vignettes. He's a good storyteller. Got a, good, a lot of good life lessons, and he's, he's definitely up there. Awesome. What's your biggest struggle today? What are you working through? Man. Trying to get feel, – or feeling like I will – like I need to get everything done today, right? So there's the, the book, The One Thing, uh, the Keller Williams guy. I don't know if you've ever read that where it's just like, you know, focus on the one thing for today from a prioritization standpoint. I tend to lose sight of that a lot where when it comes to, you know, progressing at work, personal growth, spiritual growth, family needs, you know, not only the kids, but your spouse, there, there's a lot on the, the table every day. Right. And I think a lot of times we, each day is different, but feeling like you, I mean, shoot from a hundred percent standpoint, like if you feel, you know, if you're trying to put a hundred percent here, there and everywhere, 
it can it can add up so sure. being able to being able to um read the room if you will for what needs to get done sometimes i'm like i'm all over the place man i'm working in circles so i'd say slowing down sometimes and being able to really target the most important thing in those phases right yep is is the thing that that i'm working on just focus on the things that are important and it's yep. really hard nowadays right like we're all just there's a, pl a plethora of content and information and things to be important as well like uh, this is not that important dude yeah. like you're right we're all overstimulated man it is insane like you're saying for yeah. sure everybody so. everybody you, you, do, you do it this way don't do that well cool what's your price of admission price man this has been this has been great um let me see if it's changed from what I sent you. And, and there's there's different ways to describe it, but yes, yeah, is it for me? Leading yourself first, right? The the personal accountability, that stuff comes from within, and I don't know how to describe it. I don't know why I've got it. I don't know why you have it. I don't know why all the guys you brought on the show have it. But it's just something inside that pushes. It, it, it propels you forward when the times are dark, when you want to throw in the towel. It's that voice that says, don't be a, you know what, there's more, you're not done. And that's the price. I mean, you got to pay the price. The price, it, it, it can, it can be different for different goals, different ventures, um, personal, professional, you know, but for me, it's the mental and physical ability because sometimes it is physical to press on and to meet rise to whatever the occasion is, you know, but they say you fall back on to your lowest level of training. And that's a, that was a Marine Corps thing. I don't know if that's infantry. I mean, I feel like you, you, you kind of hear that everywhere. Might be a little cliche, but it's just, you gotta continue to hone the skills and hone your mindset to be able to rise to whatever the occasion needs for your job, for yourself, right? When you look in the mirror for your family, your spouse, your partner, your children, and that's the driver, you know, and this has changed. I mean, if we would have had this conversation while we were still playing ball or as yeah, or even a year ago, career, or even a year ago, and it may change if we do this again. I mean, it, it's just the journey of life. I mean, it, it is beautiful, you know, and the only uh, constant for us is change. It's going to change. It's going to change Amen. a year ago today. Two years from now, gotcha. But the good news is your price of admission today is something that might help others because you shared it. So, Oh, it will. It will, and I hope it does. I mean, uh, 
being there as an advocate and, and your your message and why you're doing this and, and having this platform is uh, is super admirable, man. And I uh, I hope that I've found value in it. Good. The guys you've had on and I know that you will have on. It's it's super you know humbling to be asked to to be a part of it too. But for all the stories and your message, getting this out there is it's awesome, man. Good. Appreciate it. What's your wife's name? Megan. Megan. That's the first Megan we had on here. So there we go. M E G A N. No H or Nice. We'll tell her there, yeah. and the family that I said hello tonight. I will do that. Yeah, you saw our oldest Wade. He hopped in here. He typically bombards work meetings or, or anything anytime anybody's in here because we've got a little TV sitting next to the computer. And sometimes I'll let him to keep him at bay watch YouTube videos. Uh, but they were they were off limits today. So um, they're in their powwow and then we'll tell her. Thank you. Nice. And uh, the YouTube content requirement means you probably need to figure out how to get on YouTube. Because <laughs> everybody's on YouTube. Like the kids yeah. are on YouTube. I know. They love it, man. Uh, the youngest watches, there's this, I mean, multiple different content creators that create videos of yeah. monster trucks going down jumps and crashing and getting destroyed. I mean, hours worth. I mean, and these things have millions of views. And then the oldest is into dragons and he was into Godzilla for a little while. He's got kind of that artistic nature right now. And he'll sit there and watch people unboxing or painting or drawing dragons till the cows come home. I know. But so, uh, sometimes it gets to be a little too much. So we'll, yeah. we'll good talk, dude. Awesome. Yes, sir.